I teach on this at least once a year, and I do so intentionally because it's probably one of the biggest trip-ups in relationships if you get it wrong, and it's probably one of the most helpful things about relationships if you get it right. A while back, a while back one day, Jenny told me that she would clean the kitchen. The kitchen was a disaster zone, and she said that morning, you know what? Go off and do what you need to do today. I have the kitchen. Don't worry about it. It's mine. My love language is acts of service, so it was like she was shouting with a megaphone, I love you, Max! I just love you! You're the greatest husband in the world! That's what I was receiving in that moment. So I skipped off to my day. No, I didn't skip. But I went off to my day happy that that Jenny was going to clean the kitchen. Well, I came home a little earlier than I had planned, granted, and it was still a disaster. So I cleaned it up. Oh, you know where this goes. Okay, so Jenny comes in and is now upset that I stepped in and didn't even talk to her because her day had changed and she was going to get to it at a different time than what she had thought. And so now we had to sit down and have a discussion. The kids in our family know full well when mom and dad are having a discussion, flee, run away, run away. (laughs) Okay, so we sat down in our red chairs off the kitchen and Jenny went into an explanation and explained the situation to me, her husband. Max, when you stepped in and did that, you made me feel like dirt. You made me feel like I'm incompetent and that you don't even trust me to do what I'm saying. You really hurt my feelings. Yeah, only she said it much more intensely than what I'm communicating to you now in the gym. So like a good husband, I acknowledged what she said, and I said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? Then she explained again what I had done wrong and how it had hurt her. Only after the second explanation, I said nothing, which then prompted her to launch into a third salvo of why this, this hurts because this isn't just the first time. See, I've done this before. Okay, so after the third time, I shut down relationally and emotionally. I was done. So I did the husband thing where I was just staring at her and not saying anything. Now, some of you ladies are like, our pastor does it too? That's not right. I want my tithe back now. I can't believe, okay? So, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. After the third time, I was thinking in my head, why can't Jenny just let go? I already said, I'm sorry, and I meant it. Why can't you just let go? But see, the roles have been reversed. And she's done things that have really hurt me and hacked me off. And even though she's done the thing and she's far more contrite than I ever ever am, I I grant her that, okay? So in our relationship, her contrition is like here and mine's like there. I I get it. So, you know, she just poured on how I'm a worm. I could, you know, I could never, you know, please in your mercy. Okay, yes, Jenny, I forgive you. Actually, I would say it. But see, on the inside, there's this part of me that doesn't really want to let go. What is that all about? I mean, I actually love Jesus, and sometimes there's this war in my heart. Even though she's wronged me, even though I love her, even though I want to forgive her and say, I forgive you, there's this thing that goes on. Well, see, you and I are hardwired that way, okay? When you and I have committed an offense, when you and I have wronged someone, we've hurt someone, 
do you know what we want to talk about? Forgiveness. Those are the things in the Bible that we bring up. You know, forgive. You should forgive when we're the ones that have committed the crime. We want, that's what we want to focus on is forgiveness. But when we've been wronged, when we've been hurt, when somebody stepped on our toes or said the wrong things to us, all of a sudden what we want to talk about is justice. You know what I'm talking about. Like, yes, I will forgive you if you don't ever do that again. Well, let me explain. In our house, we don't. Okay, and then, you know, out comes the barrage of stuff. See, we do that. But this tendency that's in you and in me, if left unchecked, will ruin every relationship in your life and in my life if we don't check this tendency. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And again, I talk about this at least once a year. And, I want, and what I want to talk about is this thing that I call the safety zone, okay? The safety zone. Um, and I teach a version of this at least once a year because this, isn't, this is so important. It's so important. It's so important because too many parents miss this and their kids grow up in a home where it's tit for tat in the war and everything else. And when the kids become adults, they grow up and they move away and they don't want to have anything to do with mom and dad. And, we're, and when mom or dad call, okay, their spouse picks up the phone and this is what they say as they're holding their hand over the you know, phone. It's your mother. You know what that means. Oh, I'm so glad she called. I can't wait to talk to mom. It's not what that means. Oh, it's your mother, okay? You don't want to have that kind of relationship with your kids when they're 25, do you? No. Think about the relationship you have with your parents and how you dread it when they call. You don't want that, okay? So this tendency has got to be changed, has got to be addressed. I've known too many marriages where the husband and the wife, they end up in a room with lawyers, and, and they're filing the divorce proceedings. And it's not that one of them had an affair. It's not that one of them is, you know, a drug addict. It's that, it's that those two words, irreconcilable differences. Irreconcilable. Nothing you do. There's no, uh, game over, okay? The safety zone is something that you can create in any relationship that you have. The safety zone is something you can create with your kids it's something that you can create with your parents, even though you're an adult now or a teenager. It's something that you can create with your husband or your wife. It's something you can create with your friends. And when you've succeeded, your kids, your husband, your wife, your parents, your friends will feel safe to come out relationally. And that's what you want in your relationships. You want enough safety where they feel safe enough to come out and really be themselves. And so that's, I want to get into that today. And the first way, the thing that I want to talk about is how do you do that? You do that by front-loading your relationships with acceptance. I don't know, I don't know. Some of you are thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you want me to accept them even though they don't pick up their room? Are you telling me you, don't, you want me to accept them even though they call me fatty or stupid? Are you telling me that you want me to accept them even though they... And you know what that is, right? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you, and here's why. If you brought a Bible, open it to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to be in verses 18 and following. 2 Corinthians is a very practical letter. It has details about an upcoming trip that Paul is going to take, uh, it has a, uh, he's talking about a collection of aid that he's pulling together to help Christians in Jerusalem who've undergone a famine or drought. Okay, so it's a, on the one hand, it's a very practical letter, 
But in this section of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and following, it has one of the clearest statements of the gospel in the entire New Testament. Um, and that word gospel, if, you're, if you've never heard of it before, is uh, the word, uh, Greek word, euangelion, which is where we get the, the American word evangel, evangelize, or evangelical. The word is supposed to mean really awesome news. I know, and when it comes to evangelicals, that's not what our culture tends to think, okay? But it's supposed to mean really awesome news. This is amazing news, okay? Good news, all right? And here we go. So let's pick it up, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19. All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message, the good news he has given us to tell others. Reconcile, reconciliation. This word is used a gazillion times in these you know, five or six verses. To reconcile means to make compatible. Okay, So if two things aren't compatible... You change one to make them compatible. Andy Stanley puts it this way. He says, God looked at you and me, and he determined that we were incompatible because you had holy, righteous God and woefully pathetic sinners. They weren't compatible. So God did something absolutely nobody would have predicted, and that's in verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Think about the impact for that. I mean, this is one, probably one of the most important theological verses in all the Bible, this verse 21. Uh, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God punished Jesus Jesus took our punishment that we deserve because we were sinners so that what was incompatible could be made compatible. And this is how it plays out. See, God didn't need to set up a two-hour appointment with you where he brought you, would bring you and sit you down on a couch and then say, Max, you know, Bill, James, Erica, let me explain how you stink, okay? First of all, the only time you read your Bible is at the beginning of the year when you have this resolution, and by January 15th, you're done, okay? Am I not more important than that? And besides, when you pray, have you noticed that every time you call me, it's when you need something? Hello? Don't you think I'd like to talk to you? I mean, seriously, did God do that? Does God operate that way? No, he doesn't. He doesn't go down this whole list of how you stink and I stink, because you know what? If he did that, what would, what would our posture and position toward God be? we would close off our spirit and we wouldn't be interested in anything God had to say, would we? And rightfully so. God knows that's how we're hardwired. That's why this verse is so important. Because God figured out how to get into a relationship with, with you without you having to change anything. He accepted you first without a tirade and without a list. And that's really good news. But see, when it comes to, the, and when it comes to God, we're all like, yes, God, that's awesome. And then God wants us to turn around and be the same way, and that's when we put up the roadblocks and go, wait a minute, whoa, hello, God, now wait. 
See, you don't understand these people and their issues. And, you know, my cousin, Lurleen, holy cow, she is so messed up. I mean, she, I just get overwhelmed talking to her on the phone. You would, too. If you, I mean, it's two and a half hours every time. Ah, okay? So wait a minute, wait a minute. He, when it comes to the people in our lives, we put up that roadblock, and we say, you can't be reconciled to me. Uh, you're just too strange, or your issues are too overwhelming. And we say, no, but see, here's what God says. And we're going to go back to verse 20. Um, so we're going to back up a verse. We are Christ's ambassadors. And God is using us to speak to you. We urge you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And then he says this, as God's partners, we beg you not to reject this marvelous message of God's great kindness. For God said, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, God is ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation. You and I are Christ's ambassadors. Now, we normally tend to think of that word and apply it only to strangers, don't we? Well, that means that when I'm out in public and meeting people in the community, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Wait a minute. Shouldn't we also be an ambassador for our son or our daughter? Shouldn't we also be an ambassador for Christ for our wife or our husband or our mom or dad or our really good friend who drives us nuts? I say, yes, we should. God has those relationship contexts in mind when he, uh, when he puts these commands in there, okay? And you and I actually have a ministry of reconciliation, not just with strangers, but with the people that we know and should love the most, okay? So let me tell you a few things that reconciliation is not, okay? Reconciliation is not justifying your actions to someone, okay? If, if there's an offense or a wrong and, and, and you're needing to explain well, the reason I did this is because... No, no, that's not reconciliation. Reconciliation is not being completely understood. Well, Max, they really need to know that. No, they don't need to know that. I know you need them to know that, but that's not a part of reconciliation. Reconciliation is not convincing the other person they're wrong. See, if you want to create a safety zone in your relationships, you've got to make sure that the relationship is characterized by acceptance in spite of past offenses and in spite of current differences. And, and I want to talk about how that works out, okay? I know some of you immediately, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. If I do that, if I do that with my dad, if I do that with my kids, if I front load acceptance that way, no matter what they do, it's going to look like I'm condoning them, isn't it? I can't do that. I'm a Jesus follower. I need to take a stand. Well, wait a minute. I think it's really hard to take a stand and build a bridge at the same time. I really do. And there are times when it's right and appropriate to take a stand. But, but let's go back to Jesus for a moment. Jesus got into all kinds of trouble because he front-loaded acceptance in his relationships. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, despised by everybody. He was despised because he was a cheat. He cheated people out of money, and he stole money from people so much so that he impoverished them. He was a scoundrel, okay? Think of him as a producer of pornography. He was a scoundrel, okay? And Jesus, when, he, when Jesus encounters Zacchaeus, does Jesus say, Hey, Zacchaeus, I want to have lunch at your house today. Now let's talk about what you need to do to get ready for my visit. 
first of all, I need you to make sure that you apologize for all the things that you've done wrong because you're, you know, you're, you've cheated all these people out of money. I mean, you're, you're just a scoundrel. Did he, was there a list anywhere recorded? No, there was no list. He went to his house and when he went into the house, everybody outside, do you know what they did? They complained. What's he doing in that guy's house? Jesus shouldn't be there. That guy's a scoundrel. He should not be accepted. He should be taken out in stone. That's what we should do to Zacchaeus. But see, what, what happens as a result of Jesus interfacing with Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus comes out a changed man. He's not the same. All right? So if, if you feel like when you front load acceptance in your relationships that what you're really doing is condoning someone, here's what I want you to remind yourself. Well, you know what? Jesus got in that same pickle, and it's okay because I'm going to get in the same trouble that Jesus got into, and people are going to think I'm condoning them when I really don't condone them, what their behavior, okay? And you'll know it, and God will know it, and it'll be okay. And probably your friend or your family member will know that you don't condone it either, because you've had these conversations, all right? Jesus didn't condemn. He came to rescue and reconcile. In other words, what God did in our relationship is that God made it safe for us to come out and admit that we were sinners. I mean, think about it. There was a point in your life, hopefully, where you got, uh, you were talking with God and you acknowledged, you know what, God, I've blown, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I've done all these things wrong. And, and you were vulnerable with God because God had made it safe enough for you to be vulnerable with him. And as a result of that, you probably changed. I hope you changed, right? I want to talk to you about a path. And Zach, could you put that path up there? I've got a, a path picture that I want to map out for you. I do this in my classes at Asbury. And I want you to understand that there's actually a path to intimacy. And this works in your relationships with your kids, with your husband or your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your grown-up parents, even if you're an adult. This is how the pathway to intimacy works, okay? If you front-load acceptance in your relationship with whomever it is, over time, what will happen is that you'll create the safety zone. And your sister, your mom, your husband, your brother, your friend, they will eventually start opening their heart to you. And they'll be themselves, and they'll be real, and they'll be vulnerable. Because it's safe to be vulnerable. When they're vulnerable, that's where the good stuff comes. Because when we're vulnerable, that's when we have a tendency to admit our mistakes. When we're vulnerable, that's where the good part of relationships come. But it takes relational safety in order to create the vulnerableness. Um, let me tell you a couple of ways in which this works. I have a friend. Uh, she's a grown woman. She's my age. She grew up in a home where her dad was the classic absentee father. Okay, So not only was he a salesman, so he was always gone all the time traveling, um, he, did, he was a golfer too. So his wife was a golf widow, and they were all, you know, you know, they never saw him, okay? So he missed, he missed her games, he missed her plays, he missed the graduation moments, he missed all of the significant parts, the going to the prom for the first time, he just was gone, he was gone, 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 gone. And as a grown-up, every time he called, she would bristle, I mean, and rightfully so. He had wronged her. He hadn't lived up to what he should have done as a father. Well, when she had kids... All of a sudden, his involvement level like spiked off the chart. He was calling every week. He was coming up to visit. And it was just, it was like adding insult to injury. And so he would call on the phone and she would do the, 
you know, he would ask, well, you know, oh, I, you know, one of the grandkids, they're having to play. I'm, you know, we're, we're going to come up. Well, you know what her response was? Well, why would you want to come up? You never came to any of my plays. And that was the dynamic of their relationship. Here's where it gets interesting. Her aunt, at one point, sat her down and explained to her how awful her father felt about her upbringing and how he was an absentee dad. He was a horrible father. He's, he's heartbroken over it. He wants to get beat. He wants that to change. He doesn't want that to be the case for his grandkids. And she's, you know, like, what? Are, you, are we talking about the same man? What? And then her thing, her, this was her thing. Why would he tell you that and not me? Ding. Because her, his sister was a safe relationship where he wasn't going to get pulverized. Because if he had over the phone or in person with his daughter said, you know what, I was an, I was an absentee, I'm dead, I totally... You are so right! And, you know, he would have gotten clobbered 50 times over for it. And he never opened up. And so, boom, there's a, there's, a, there's a way in which this whole pathway to intimacy, it plays out this way. This is just how life works, okay? Um, I am far from the perfect father. If you doubt me, talk to my children or my wife. They can set you straight. But in my better moments, when my kids have wronged me or they've broken a big-time rule, and I'm able to say, look, here's, here's the deal, here's the consequence, and just let it go at that without a big, long lecture and the, we don't ever in our house, and how dare you, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, the speech, the lecture, you know what I'm talking about. They go off to their rooms. Do you know what happens if I do it that way and I give them space? They come back, my two olders. Dad, Daddy, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? That's what I want. And if when they say that to me, if I launch into another tirade, what's going to happen to their spirit? It's going to close. And maybe the next time they're not going to want to come and be vulnerable. Okay? So let me, ask, let me ask you a question. When it comes to your kids, when it comes to your parents, your wife, your husband, your friends, what would a relationally safe environment look like? What would that look like? What would you need to change about your speech or your interaction to create acceptance and safety in that relationship? And if your parents... I have a little three-question survey that you could give your kids. If you have kids over the age of five, they're old enough to answer these questions. Now, I warn you, this can be very intimidating. It can, trust me. But if you've got kids going into the teenage years, you know what? Your kids' friends, they don't sit around going, you know what? I'm going to be friends with Stacy. She just has a, such a tight walk with God, and I love the way she handles money. And no, You know how they make friends? They go where they're accepted, okay? So you want to have a high level of that in your home so that your kids also come to you, all right? So here's three questions, all right? And you can ask your son, your daughter these questions, and if you want me to send them to you, just email me this week, and I will send these questions to you. And this is from a book, Visionary Parenting, okay? So you sit your kid down, you sit your son or daughter, and you ask him this. On a scale of 1 to 10... How accepted do you feel by me or by mom or dad? 
depending upon who's asking the question. How accepted do you, do you feel by me? Question number two, on a scale of one to ten, how much peace do you feel is in our home? Okay. On, third question, on a scale of one to ten, how comfortable do you feel talking with me about your feelings? Now, here's how this works. If they say, well, three, and you go, three? What? Are you, t- are you telling me that it's just a three? Okay. Boom, you're gone, you're hosed right there. It's over, ding, thanks for playing the vulnerability pathway game. Tell them what they want. Well, you want a Ronco, chop that's it. Okay, never talk to your kids again? No, 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 okay. So you gotta, be, you gotta be emotionally and otherwise ready to ask these questions and be prepared for their answers because their answers may surprise you and just, you know, swallow really hard and then pray really hard at night and you talk to friends, oh, okay. But you'll get through it. By asking the questions, you're, you're starting the beginning processes of acceptance and safety in your home, okay? When you create the safety zone in your relationships where your spouse your, your kids, your parents, your, your, your friends feel safe to come out, then they're going to be vulnerable. And like I said before, this is why this is important. It's the vulnerability where the good stuff comes. That's the good stuff of relationships. When somebody's vulnerable, that's when they feel safe enough to say, you know what, I was really stupid when. Or what do you think about? And that's what you want in your relationships. And God was wise enough to know it. So the way he set it up with Jesus is, I'm going to accept them and love them and front load it so that they open their heart to me and then we'll work on changing them.